the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. From the epistle, quote, Knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. The message of Advent can be summarized in a word, repent. In the words of John the Baptist, with which we begin morning prayer during the Advent season, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But of course, repentance is not just for Advent. Every week when we come to the altar, we hear the words, ye who do truly and earnestly repent, draw near. So how does Advent repentance differ from the repentance that we practice every week and every day? We can think of repentance on two levels. The first level of repentance is to repent for particular sins. For example, on a given day I may become angry and my anger may lead me to treat someone with a lack of love. Repentance would mean to confess my error in my prayers, to resolve to behave differently tomorrow, and to apologize to the person I offended if that was necessary or possible. The second level of repentance is to look at the deeper patterns of our lives. And I think this is the proper focus of preparatory seasons like Advent and Lent and what can differentiate our approach to them from our sort of daily uh, practice of repentance. To look at the larger patterns is to move away from the trees and consider the entire forest. We move from a focus on individual sins to a consideration of our larger habits and patterns, which may be the root cause of habitual temptation and sin. For example, consider the example of anger mentioned above. It may be that I'm angry because every day I put myself in front of the news show or the internet conversation that provokes my anger and the next person I see is always its victim. Daily repentance would confess anger, but Advent repentance would lead me to reorder the patterns of my life to recognize what it is that makes me angry and change these behaviors, perhaps substituting for them things that are more emotionally and spiritually healthy, both for me and for those around me. But there is a more important consideration still. The examination of our habits must begin with a consideration of our prayer. The first and great commandment that we recite every week is to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. And the second commandment is to love our neighbor as ourself. Our commitment to love God through worship and prayer leads us into the love of neighbor who is made in the image of God, to love God cultivates love for those who are made in his image. And in fact, if I don't love God, 
with all my heart, soul, and mind. I won't love my neighbor as I ought. To return to my <clears throat> anger example, my anger may flare up more frequently when I stray from my connection to God in my prayer. As I move away from Christ, who is the ground and center of my being, other influences take greater hold upon me. Conversely, a sense of God's presence that is cultivated by habitual prayer and a sense of my vocation to follow Christ, which I remember when I pray, will lead me to engage the various media and other influences of my life from a more balanced and detached perspective. I will be able to discern between things that are temporal and things that are eternal. A careful examination of anger and indeed of all sin reveals that the root problem, the root cause, is our distance from God. Most people misunderstand the nature of sin. Sin is not primarily individual acts of disobedience. <clears throat> sin is primarily our state of separation from God. Our state or condition of separation from God leads us to commit acts of sin. We can understand this by looking at the original sin in Genesis chapter 3. The first sin caused human beings to be separated from God. This state of separation led to a proliferation of sins committed by human beings who now lived in this state of separation from God. But the problem of sin created by the fall cannot be solved by micromanaging the sins that result from the separation. It can only be solved by being reconciled to God. And as we are reconciled with God, and as we live out that reconciliation through prayer, which we grow, through which we grow into our union with God, the result in our life will be a decrease in sin. Separation from God leads to sin or sins. Connection to God leads to a decrease in sin and a growth in virtue and holiness. <clears throat> Thus, neglect of worship and prayer is always the primary disorder of our lives and the thing we most need to repent of and change in Advent. Our prayer or lack of prayer reveals the aim or goal of our lives. In Advent, we prepare for the coming of Christ, but of course, this is always supposed to be the goal of our lives as Christians. We want to be the wise virgins who keep their lamps burning by prayer and watchfulness as we wait for the bridegroom to come. Prayer is communion with God in Christ through the Spirit. Through prayer, Christ comes to us now. Through prayer, we experience God's grace and grow into the image of Christ. 
the change we experience now through our prayer anticipates the change that will be completed when Christ appears and we are raised from the dead in the resurrection on the last day and we are changed in a, as the New Testament says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. <clears throat> Thus, prayer is not a means to some other end in life. Prayer is the end of life. It is how we live in union with Christ as we wait for him to come. And as disciples, our lives in the world are ordered as they should be when they are the fruit, the consequence of our prayer. If prayer is not at the center of our lives, then we are aiming at some other thing. We may want some personal, family, or business result in time. And we may view God's presence primarily as a means to help us get what we want in the world. The thing we want in life is at the center, and God is brought in to help us get what we want. This is what we should examine during the Advent season. What am I aiming at in my life? How do my patterns of worship and prayer reveal this to me? What am I going to do about that? <clears throat> in the epistle, St. Paul says, quote, knowing the time that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. There are actually two different words for time in this passage. Knowing the time means understanding the nature of the time. The time itself is continually moving towards its completion, its telos in Christ. And what time is, is our opportunity to be reconciled with God and to grow into that union that will be completed on that day. Now it is high time to awake out of sleep means this is the hour, the moment, <clears throat> the moment in time for us to change our lives, to, to reconcile with God to be closer to God. The season of Advent provides us with that kind of now moment, that opportunity to make changes in the habits and patterns of our lives, to connect with Christ now as we anticipate his coming in glory at the end of time. In the words of John the Baptist, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. <clears throat>